are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, Pastor Rick is in Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, you know, heard about his dad having uh, a heart attack uh, a few weeks ago, and so uh, I think he's spending some time with family uh, this week. We need to keep on praying for his father. He's at home, he's resting, but he's probably uh, very, very serious. And so uh, continue to pray for Pastor Rick and his dad. Um, I always wanted to sit in this stool. I've, I've seen, I've seen uh, Rick sit there. and <clears throat> Anybody can take a picture if they want. No, no. Um, he just looks so comfortable there. I'm going to be sharing the word. Um, but this has been one of those weeks. Maybe you've been on a journey also this week. Uh, my, my son, his name is Curtis, or Sweet C, as most people know him. Uh, if you've been in the after-school program, you probably know who Sweet C is. He, uh, he and Jim Poteet started it quite a few years ago. He still works on it. He was playing softball two weeks ago, had a little accident. The ball caught him in the eyes and eye and nose. And, um, and so we let the swelling go down for a week. And so Tuesday of this week... We took him in to uh, have surgery to pop that back in. And, uh, and so they get the IV and they got him knocked out. It was going well. And they popped that nose back in place. You can just kind of hear probably the crunch. And as soon as they did that, his heart went into AFib. And that means it's beating about twice as fast as normal and, and it's out of rhythm. And they tried to give him some medicine to, uh, to correct that. It didn't work. And so uh, we got admitted. Really wasn't us. Uh, it was Curtis got admitted, but I was there. I felt like I was there and being admitted too. And so more blood work and more medicine and a long night, probably about 2,500 prayers trying to get the heart to uh, go down um, from Curtis and me. And about 8 o'clock in the morning, finally his heart kind of just got back in the regular rhythm. And they watched him for about six hours to make sure he'd stay there and we got to go home. We thought, well, phew, boy, we... Uh, Curtis, you got through that. That's pretty good. And and so then we made an appointment because he had broken his glasses, um, uh, you know, when the softball hit him, uh, with an eye doctor to get some new set of glasses. And when we had that appointment on Friday, he looked in the back of his eye and said, Oh, I, I see something else that got hurt besides your nose. Um, you have a detached retina. And we're going to send you over to a specialist. And if we don't get this fixed fast, you could lose sight in that eye. And uh, so you can imagine what... Curtis's heartbeat, Sweet C's heartbeat went up, and uh, as we were driving over there, and and here again, we start the uh, praying without ceasing, and uh, so we get over to the doctor, and I said, okay, now, Curtis, because you know, he's nervous about a, a surgery, and I said, we're going to listen to the facts, and then we can decide what we need to do. Listen to the facts, and then we can decide, and the doctor, you know, got over there, did the exam, gave us the facts, and then he said, you're going to have surgery. And so there was no decision, and uh, that's probably the best for us all. So he goes through all the blood work again and prep, and we have eye surgery. And, and he was really nervous that his heart would go back in AFib again after uh, being on the anesthetic, but everything went well. He's at home. But we probably had about two nights where we had no sleep at all. And, um, and in the middle of those two nights, I said, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be preaching I'm supposed to be preaching this Sunday. Okay, this is not working out real well. Maybe you have weeks that are filled with a journey. Uh, maybe your calendar doesn't quite work out the way you planned it. And, 
And you've got big problems you're facing that you really didn't see coming. Maybe you have conflicts with people you didn't see coming. Maybe there's something even in the future you really don't know what this week is going to hold. But I want to remind you that the gospel is more than just getting you saved to make it to heaven. The gospel is God's spirit reminding you in your heart and mind that his spirit is there to empower you and to give you his presence, to give you his pardon, to give you his love, to give you his grace now. And not just wait for heaven. That is happening now. Heaven coming down into your life right now. And I know this week I needed that gospel of grace. And maybe where you are today, maybe you need to be reminded of the gospel of grace. That God's presence wants to be with you right now with what you're facing. Let's pray before we open the word. Father. You're faithful, and you're loving, and you're right here. And it's amazing how your spirit can, can mend and heal and direct and guide and open doors that we can't. And it's amazing how you can do that in all of our minds and hearts at the same time. I don't have anything to say that's going to change anybody. But your word does and your spirit does and I pray that you would be faithfully in these seats in this auditorium to powerfully work in our lives and to change us and I ask this in your name amen soul food do you like soul food uh I heard, I was asking a friend, okay, what's some of the better soul food places here in, um, in Oklahoma City? And, and they um, mentioned, um, I think, Mama E's as one of the best soul food places. I haven't been to Mama E's. I went to a soul food place on 23rd Street um, this Monday, and I had pig's feet for the very first time. And um, you asked me, well, what does pig's feet look like? It looks like pig's feet. And... Um, you know, it's probably not my favorite. I probably won't order it again, but I'm glad I, 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 I got it and I tried it. And, but all the other things they had with it, boy, oh, man, I just loved it. Matter of fact, my daughter and I, our daughter Aubrey, we went to Cajun King up here on uh, 63rd. And, uh, and, of course, you just fill your plate and you have, you know, blackened pork and you have... Yeah, red beans and you have cornbread. Now this cornbread is not with a bunch of sugar in it. That's that's called cake. Um, this is real cornbread, and you know, and you have cornbread. It's the kind you put in milk and kind of eat like cereal. You really like it. Um, I I remember having um, um, there was some dessert. This is kind of these round white things that were dessert and bread pudding. But you have your your plate all filled up, and then they bring you these morsels. A fried catfish that you dip in this sweet sauce. And you don't even need the rest of the plate. You just need to eat the catfish, you know. And so, Aubrey and I, we were eating soul food. And it was good. I'm going to be talking and reading from John. And probably the essence 
of this chapter that I'm going to be reading is food for the soul. That God has food for the soul. And so if you're up there and you're running the uh, scripture, I'm going to probably uh, read and talk and read and talk. So you just have to kind of try to hang with me the best you can, okay? We're going to be reading out of the New Testament, John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. And uh, this is the New Testament, and it's a real key story uh, about Jesus' life. Verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. It's amazing about numbers. Keeping track of numbers is probably not all bad. It's probably good, even in the church. But here, the religious leaders of that day were keeping track of numbers of their competition. John the Baptist, baptizing people. Here's now Jesus, a new one, coming on board, baptizing people. And they were keeping track of the numbers because they wanted to know who the competition was and then go after them. And so, I just kind of wonder, what would have happened Instead of the Pharisees seeing Jesus and John the Baptist as competition, if they would have seen them, here are co-workers with God. Why don't we spend some time with Jesus, find out what he's doing, what's important to him, and how about lining up with him to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. This whole story of the New Testament would have been quite different if the church of that day, if the Pharisees, if the religious leaders or to eliminate the competition and line up. And I think most of our churches get along today. But, but, but what, if, what if we just kind of said, okay, you know, we believe a little differently than you do. But can we line up together? Finding out what Jesus is wanting to accomplish in Oklahoma City and Bethany and Yukon and Deer Creek and Edmond. Mustang, all these places around. What Jesus wants to do, and can we line up together instead of being competitive and seeing who's bigger? Can 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 could we just line up and accomplish what God wants to accomplish? Continue to read. It says, "So he left Judah and returned to Galilee." Now on the map, Judah is a part of the kingdom, the Jewish kingdom. And um, at the very bottom of the map, the southern part of the map was Judah. That's where Jerusalem was located. That's where the capital was. That's where all the power people were. That's where all the decisions were made. And that's where Jesus in that area was ministering at the time of this story. And then in the middle is Samaria. And that was a group of people that was not only mixed in race, but mixed in religion. And it was just, just a, the the Jewish people just did not like those folk. And then in the north was Galilee. And that's where Jesus did a lot of ministry also. That's where he probably lived most of the time. And so what he's saying is that he left Judah and returned to Galilee. Sometimes Jesus had to move and go and do something somewhere else. To accomplish what God wanted to be accomplished. Um, what are the barriers that are keeping you from ministering to all the people? 
What, what are the barriers? Um, if God called you to minister to someone that's going to vote differently in November, maybe for the opposite candidate that you're thinking about voting for, um, would you be faithful to do it? Could you pull that off? If God were to call you to sell your house and go into a, a little bit different neighborhood with the purpose of ministering to people, maybe a little bit different than you, could you go? Maybe because of maybe a new friend that God is wanting to maybe have you influence. Would you even be able to say, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to a different restaurant. I'm going to do something a little bit different just because it gives me an opportunity to minister. Sometimes you have to leave the comfort and security and go someplace where God is calling you to go to do the things he wants you to do. So here, Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And we talked about Samaria. He could have looped around. Many of the Jews did that at the time, but he had to go through. I wonder why he had to go through. Why did he have to go through Samaria? And if I read about the pattern of Jesus, the pattern of Jesus was one where he spent time with the Father on a daily basis, early in the morning many times, finding out what's the most important thing I can do today. And I just kind of have a hunch that the Father said to Jesus, today you have to go through Samaria. And then it says, on the way. On the way. Isn't it amazing what happens in our lives when we're on the way to doing something? Let me just kind of share. Um, when I was um, in high school, I needed a job real bad. And I was looking for a lawn job. And my best friend, Ed Overholt, um, was working at the professional tower as a, a lawn technician, lawn boy. And, um, and so he was going on vacation, and I said, well, I'm looking for a job, so can I fill in for you for a week? I volunteered. I loved it because you got paid to get a tan. Now, back in the 70s, it was cool to have a tan, and uh, you didn't worry about skin cancer and all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, we had tank tops. We had cutoffs. Oh, it was embarrassing. I've seen some pictures. Uh, they're a little bit on the short side, so the pockets, your pockets are hanging down way below and all the strings. And, uh, but we thought, oh my goodness, getting paid to get a tan. And so I was working with a guy named Phil Moore, and we, were, we had a truck, and we had a couple of lawnmowers. The starter was out on the truck, and so we always had to push it. And with the, the person that has to push the truck is always the, the new guy. I was the new guy that day. So I was pushing the truck every time we had to start it, and he would pop the clutch, and we, I would jump... He, he usually, he didn't get too far ahead of me, and I had to jump in, and we'd go to the next project. Well, it came lunchtime, and we were on the way into lunch. On the way, we were going on the way when I met someone walking out in a suit. And this, this man said, hey, by the way, do you know of anyone looking for a job? And I said, yes, I'm looking for a job. He said, why don't you come by Friday? I'm opening this new hospital, Bethany Hospital, here on 23rd, and I need to hire a lawn boy. Fill an application, maybe I can hire you. I did, got hired, worked there six years, uh, and, and got paid. Paid for getting a tan. Matter of fact, 
um, you couldn't do this now, but I paid for half of my college bill working as a lawn boy there at the hospital. So it really helped me. I got through and I uh, got my first job as a teacher down in Texas. And then the same guy, the administrator that hired me to be a lawn boy said, you know what? My assistant administrator is leaving. I know what your degree's in. Um, I would like you to come and be my assistant administrator at the hospital. And, and I would also uh, like you to also do uh, hiring personnel. And so from one summer dragging hoses to the next summer uh, hiring nurses, um, it was quite a shock on the way. It's amazing what happens in our lives when we're on the way to do something. Now, in that particular time, what changed was my career, but it changed a lot more than career. There was, there was relationships. There was all sorts of opportunities that came because something happened in a short period of time when I was going the way to do something. Maybe God is going to give you an opportunity this week to have something very powerful happen on the way while you're doing something. Maybe to a doctor's appointment. Maybe going to work. Maybe to go and pick up someone to take them to soccer practice. But on the way, you might meet someone that might be a ministry opportunity. That might be a career opportunity. That might, I, I don't know what, how God's going to do it. But most of the miracles in the Bible happen when Jesus was on the way to doing something else. And so I really believe the miracles, even in your own life, might be happening when you're on the way. Eventually, this is verse um, uh, 5. Eventually, he came to Samaria, a village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, where Jacob gave his son Joseph. Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired from a long walk. Isn't it good to know that even Jesus gets tired? I mean, here, Jesus is tired. And if you were to read the next few verses, you'll get some keys. What Jesus did when he was tired. And maybe those are some of the things that you need to adapt to your life when you get exhausted and tired. I know there are some of you right now that are doing a job. You're raising kids. You have relatives in the hospital. uh, You're in the midst of a marathon. And tired is an understatement. I have no idea what's, what's wearing you out, but you're, you're worn out. One of the first things he did is stop. He stopped and he became still. And then, after he became still, I think he opened himself up to an opportunity to God to, to give him strength. To give him what he needed to do next, when he needed to do next. So when you're tired, stop, be still, and go to the one that provides you the strength. So wherever you are right now, you might start some of those practices. So Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I think one of the biggest things that this whole scripture passage indicates to us is that whatever barriers that we have between us and others, 
when it comes to the gospel needs to be removed. We, we just, we've got to remove it. Because God removes it. God doesn't have those barriers. And the gospel is for everyone. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Here's two key points there. The gift, the word gift. He's talking about something that's given to you, not earned, not worked for. It's a gift from God. And then who you are speaking to. You're actually speaking to the one who is going to give the gift. But sir, you don't have a rope. How can you get this living water? You don't even have a rope. Let's see here. I think, uh, is it uh, Braylon? Is Braylon here? Come on up here. Come on up here. This well that they were having this conversation around was about seven feet in circumference. And uh, what, what school do you go to, Braylon? Deer Creek. Deer Creek. And you started school this week? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, good luck. Good luck. I need, you to ha- I need you to help us to understand when this woman said, um, you don't have a rope and a bucket that's deep enough to get to the well. I wanted to show how deep this well was. It was 105 feet deep. And, um, and so this is a rope right here, and I believe it's 100 feet. So I want you to take this, and to demonstrate, can you walk down that aisle, and we'll see if this will untangle. And um, I, I, we might, I don't know if it's going to work or not. But you just go all the way to that back wall if you can. And we'll strangle maybe someone here on the second row. Okay, here we go. Uh-oh. Gerald said this will just untie real easily. Let's see. See if it will. Come on, Gerald. Help me. Let's see here. So this is how deep the well was. This is 100 feet. So really, this is even five foot short of the well. Keep on. Keep on going. Matter of fact, if you uh, go outside, get me a coffee, okay? Let me see. Hang on. Sometimes in life we, we get tied up in knots. Okay, there we go. It would be just like Gerald to tie a knot in his own purpose. So he's there. He's at the back doors. Keep on going. Okay, right there. Right there. That's 100 feet. Perfect. Right there. This is how deep that well was. And she told Jesus, you don't have a rope or a bucket deep enough for the water. Come on back here. I want to give you something for doing that for me. But you can see that's a pretty long well. Pretty deep well. Let's give him a hand for helping me here. And just put it right here. And here's some M&Ms. And one bag's for you. And then one bag is for the girl you're flirting with. Okay? So you can give that to him. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Do do you get it? Do do, do you get it? Um, She is saying to Jesus, you don't have a rope and a bucket deep enough to get to this water. And let me tell you what's getting ready to unfold is, is really a reversal of roles. And in the next few verses, Jesus is going to say, you don't have a rope. 
to get you the water you really want. I am that rope. I can provide you that water. You think we're talking about this water, but the water I'm talking about, you don't have a rope deep enough, long enough to get it. It's only through me. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh and bubbling. It's a spring within them. It gives them eternal life. Please, sir, woman, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And then it's like Jesus wasn't listening. He wasn't listening to the question. He said, go and get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't Have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while you Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim? Where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. The time is coming. The time is coming when you will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one we worship, while the Jews know all about him. For salvation comes to the Jews. But the time is coming. The time is coming indeed. And here it is now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. She said, give me some of this water. And he said, "Um, go get your husband. It, it didn't. It didn't fit. And he said, "Yeah, you, you've you've had five husbands. You've been drinking water. You you've been drinking water that doesn't fulfill you. I will give you water that fulfills you." He says, "The time is coming. The time is coming. The time is coming when you won't be worshiping in Jerusalem. You won't be worshiping here, worshiping here in Samaria." You're going to worship in truth and in spirit. The time is coming is Jesus on the cross. The time is coming. He said it won't be much longer. And I think he probably said it with a smile on his face. It won't be much longer. And you're going to have a direct contact with the Heavenly Father through me. You won't need to go through the priest or the temple or sacrifices anymore. I'm going to take care of for you. The time is coming. That hour on the cross is coming when you can receive living water. And they're talking about thirst and living water. And, and, and what is it that Jesus is saying in those last minutes on the cross, right before his death? 
one of the things he says is, I am thirsty. Now, I think he probably was physically thirsty, but I think he's talking about something much deeper. Because on the cross, for the first time in his life here on earth, the presence of God was separated from him, and he was without God. And without God, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He experienced what we feel when we don't have God in our lives. And it's a thirst that's just unbelievably hard to describe that we sometimes try to quench with other things, other things than God. Now, if you read the rest of this passage here, um, the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. That's a whole story there. What do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar. Get this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village. I want to end with two points. Number one, this passage says that the gospel is for everyone. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or where you've come from, or what you're experiencing even right now, the gospel is for everyone. It includes me, and that includes you. The other fact is, if you really want to experience this living water, you've got to leave your old jar of water, and you request from Jesus the new water, and then it leaves your problem's problem. I had a person come and talk to me uh, just a few months ago. He said, I've got a problem. I'm homeless. I said, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Let's see if we can help. Okay, what, that is a bad problem, but what caused you to be homeless? He said, well, I lost my job because I couldn't pay my bills then for the home, and they came and took my home away from me and evicted me, and so now I'm homeless. And that really stemmed from losing my job to not be able to pay the bills. So I said, well, why did you lose your job? He said, well, me and, um, well, I didn't have a car. You didn't have a car. Yeah, I need to have transportation to keep my job. Well, why did you lose your car? I said, well, we're on the way to the casino, and uh, me and my friends, and I got pulled over, and there were some tickets I hadn't paid for, and, and they saw that on my record, and then they saw that I hadn't paid for my car tag, and so they uh, confiscated my car, and they put me in jail, and the bills were just almost unbelievable. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pay them all. And, and I said, well, why didn't you have money to do those things? And I said, well, you know, it really, it was kind of a matter of I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say no to some of the things I wanted to do. And so all these problems stacked up in a row really got back to not a financial problem. It really got back to a heart problem. 
So the problems you have really are connected to the problem. If you were to trace back your problems, many times it can be traced back to a heart problem. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He said to the woman, you want living water? Bring me your husband. You know, you, you've kind of created a mess of your life, trying to feed your heart with things that don't satisfy. And really, the issue is a heart problem, and I'm the only one that can deal with that. Maybe your, maybe your fixes are different. Hers was the relationships. It, it, it might be success. It might be a job. It might be pursuing popularity. It might be, it might be pornography. Your problem is not pornography. Your problem is a heart problem. All your problems can be connected back to the heart problem. And the only answer and the only fix is the living water. And he said, all you have to do is leave your water pot filled with the water that doesn't fix. Come to me and I will give you water that fixes your problem's problem. Wouldn't it be good to experience that kind of water? Wouldn't it be wonderful to ask God for that gift and he give it to you? We're going to close this service by singing a song. And I ask the people to come up here right now. The altar is open. And if you want some of this water, this might be a great place to come and pray and ask for it. You can do it right where you are. But... But, but the altar is always a good place just to kind of separate yourself and get focused in on, okay, God, let's do some talk. Let's have a conversation. I think I'm tired of drinking the water that doesn't satisfy. And I would like to start drinking some of this water that you have that literally is soul food. That's food for my soul. Let's sing this song. Oh
Well, Father, as we wrap this up, we realize that you are the rope to get us what we need. You are what we need right now. And as we leave this place, the people praying and the people that have been praying, I just, I just encourage that this conversation continue. Just sit around the well with Jesus and have a conversation about what really matters as we leave. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.